Hey, welcome back, everybody. Today, as always, we invite you to join us on a weekly journey. Welcome back to Living Hope, a show designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with or dealing with pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they, the patients, the friends, their family, the physicians, everyone around them, the community as a whole, deals with this on a daily basis. With someone, well, she's been on the journey for a while. Today, we're going to tap into that knowledge and see if she can answer some questions for us here. we got a lot of questions that have piled up, and today we've got the answer, the answer person herself here, Roberta Luna. Welcome, Roberta. Thank you, Paul. I hope I have some answers. I don't know if they're not always. I mean, they're different for everybody, and, you know, hopefully we can get some um, things shed and just open up some light. But thank you for having me back. I don't know which is worse. Being, I'm sorry, I don't know which I'm more nervous at, being the guest or the host. <laughs> you always said you didn't like being the host, but now I'm sure not sure you like being the guest here. I think until you're surrendering some control. Well, periodically, uh, we, we had a guest cancel this morning. They got sick. Everybody's getting sick these days here. So I said, rather than just rerun a show, let's do a Q&A. Let's go into the mailbag because we get a bunch of stuff here. I know you get a bunch of stuff. And then there are a bunch of regular questions that just people must ask you all the time. So I thought we would take advantage of the open slot here to do an open show on Q&A questions. And again, on Facebook, if you have questions right now for those watching us live on the Facebook page, or YouTube, or anywhere else, you can certainly, um, in the comments section there, uh, we'll see if we can pick up some of those and feed those as well. You can also call in if you would like today. There's a radical idea. It is a radio show. (laughs) We seldom get people to call in, but if you want to call in and weigh in and offer your two cents or your experience, what you're wondering about, what you're doing right now, I'll give you a phone number, 949 824-1200. That's 949-824-1200. Join in in the conversation. Don't be afraid. We'll we'll take your phone call and get you on the air here. So however you do it, let's start with some of the common questions that we've accumulated over. How long have we been doing this show now? Six months? Nine months? Almost a year, actually. It'll be a year at the end of April. There you go. How time flies. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, And and so we've passed another milestone. uh, For you, just so everybody reminds who you are. You're a long-term cancer survivor in a field where there aren't many long-term cancer survivors in this cancer, right? Yes, very true. Uh, 19 years, I'll be 20, I'll be 20 years, I'll be turning ter- 20 again in, in April uh, 1st, actually. There so you go. So the sh- as the show comes around to its you know, one-year anniversary, another, another year here. Here's one of the questions I've had periodically. They say if you get certain types of cancer and then you're cancer-free or it doesn't progress for five years, that you're good is it gone is it permanently in remission or does what happens to the cancer for a long-term cancer survivor has it has it left your body has it just gone dormant and at some point do they just say don't worry about it anymore or is it always there in my situation, mine is, is dormant at the moment and has been since 2018, meaning that it hasn't done anything. It's just laying there. And for right now, I can lay there all at once. <laughs> lay there at the beach. You get a little cocktail. <laughs> be go. happy. Chill Have out. a margarita, whatever, <laughs> just until you know they find some, a cure or, or some treatment that will take care of it. But for many people, and we're very cautious about using the word in remission because with pancreatic cancer, Unfortunately, it tends to have a high reoccurrence rate. Okay. So you can come back with maybe a clean scan or not showing any evidence of the disease. 
but it could still be there lurking someplace. And I don't want to give anybody, you know, a downer. False hope. But yeah, yeah, just, you know, keep that in mind. But don't dwell on it either. I mean, if you're showing no symptoms and everything is coming back clean, enjoy. Just, you know, just enjoy. Enjoy it while you can, you know. Well, uh, again, I hear, I, I think it was my, uh, one of my cousins years ago had uh, colon cancer and had a colonoscopy, had a large section of her colon removed, had the bag and everything else the, that she had to use to dispose of bodily fluids here. We'll yeah. just leave it there. And they told her after five years without it reoccurring, we must have got it because they went out and cut all this out. And that if she got a new, if she got cancer again, it would be a new cancer, not the old cancer. Now, again, most pancreatic cancer is not removed, but there are some, right? You can occasionally go in and cut something out. Talk about that. Yeah, there's a, a surgical procedure. It's called the Whipple. Unfortunately, not many are, you know, able to do that. It's about, I believe, a 10 to 12 percent, and that could be because of the location of the tumor, which has affected mine. That's why I cannot have the Whipple. Mm -hmm. My tumor is located and in, intertwined with the main vein and arteries that run through the pancreas. It's intertwined, so it's wrapped around. You can't go and cut it out easily here. No, and that was what the chemo and radiation was for, is to hopefully, hopefully shrink it away so they could go in and remove it. But unfortunately, when mine shrinks, it tends to shrink back into the vein and artery, so it didn't quite work the way they expected it. But again, it's kept it at bay. It is staying only in the pancreas, and that's what we want is to keep it from spreading anywhere else. So if they do go in on the Whipple, do they remove the p whole pancreas? And, and can you live without a pancreas? You can live without a pancreas, but the Whipple doesn't always remove the whole pancreas. It might take out sections. And I can't pronounce the word that takes out the whole pancreas. It's a great big long one. But mm. once, if they do remove the your whole pancreas or even some portions of it, you could become a diabetic. Now, if they remove the full pancreas, mm. you will become a diabetic. And you will have to so take insulin, and I'm sorry, uh, enzymes, because your pancreas digests the enzymes. So again, we've done this before. Let's do it again. I'm still not sure where the pancreas or what <laughs> the heck the pancreas does. Give us a quick uh, overview of the pancreas. Yeah, unfortunately, most of us don't even think about it until we have to, until it affects us. But the pancreas, it's uh, an, a gland it's about six inches long mm -hmm. it lays behind your stomach more on your spine area and that's why it's so hard to diagnose because when you're laying and they go to feel around generally they're not going to feel anything i think the tumor would have to be fairly large right so that unlike a breast tumor or a lump under your arm or something right it's not something you're going to testes feel. or whatever you can easily say oh i got a lump there yep it's not usually it's not going to occur that way a lot of times the symptoms you get are so vague it can be a backache, so a lot of times yeah, they think we've it's, about yeah, that. it could be that they're thinking it's either a kidney issue or it could be a strained muscle. Um, any kind of stomach issues you get, they're going to say gastro, you know, mm -hmm. diarrhea, constipation, nausea. And part of the surprise of your story, for me at least, is uh, you've said this several times, how you were diagnosed. We'll talk about this. How do you get diagnosed and how do you, what do you do after you get that diagnosis? You had had pancreas in your family. Yes. Your father and another family relative whose name escapes your uncle or something uh, yeah i lost i actually found out i lost my grandmother uh -huh. then my dad and then my uncle his baby brother so there you go so you were it was on your radar and when you went to see the doctor with your symptoms backache or whatever you were experiencing he didn't think 
pancreas first shot and you really kind of pushed it didn't you and said why don't you look into this i had to push it because i might like i said the symptoms were very vague it was nausea diarrhea and at first my doctor thought well let's take a pregnancy test but I've, <laughs> I've been pregnant i didn't have diarrhea with any of the pregnancies so i was i knew it was couldn't be that right i had to just pretty much push them and say you know i've already lost three family members i really want you to check for pancreatic cancer and was told i was too young because i was only in my 40s yeah. and at that time they were saying it wasn't hereditary but again i had to be my own best advocate i had to push and that's I did. the message of this show really you got to be your own best advocate here sometimes you do because doctor it's not going to be the first thing they're going to look at because the the symptoms can be so vague unless you turn yellow that not really going to look at pancreatic cancer the first thing and yellow is a symptom like jaundice or that certain yes. color but that can mean other things too aren't there diseases and yeah, liver it can be liver it can just right. be a blockage somewhere but that is you know definitely once they see you turning yellow they're going to they pay attention yes. right all right so you got them to pay attention and it came back positive and the questions everybody must ask you what do you do next yeah and it, it's a tough one because it's different for everybody but the first thing you got to do you know for me was take that deep breath, just kind of try to inhale it all, try to get it, you know, into your mind and figure out what do I need to do next. And mm -hmm. the one thing you need to do is talk to your doctor, find out what type of pancreatic cancer is there, because there are two different types. Okay. Where Where is it And located? what are the two different types that you bring them up? And, oh, I'll see if you I don't have to give us the name or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is. But there's One is more aggressive, like what my dad's family had was the more aggressive one. And then there's one that's less aggressive, like Aretha Franklin and Steve Hobbs had. Those are, that was a less aggressive, so usually they can survive a little bit longer with, with that. So it's, it's important to find out what type of cancer you have, of pancreatic cancer. Where is it located? Mm -hmm. what How are far your, has it advanced? Yes, what staging are they looking at? Sometimes the doctors won't tell you a stage, maybe mm. because they're not sure or... Maybe they're concerned that how you might take that. And how do they know? Do they go in and do a biopsy? Do they take a little piece of it? Do they try and... Because here's the other thing that confuses me about this. I don't know why a blood test doesn't tell you you have any kind of cancer because cancer is something going on in your cells right there there's something going through your system maybe i'm oversimplifying but it's growing it's attacking your body here mm -hmm. and you would think all cancers would just show up in a blood scan but they don't unfortunately pink red cancer doesn't i mean there are tumor markers that they use mm -hmm. just to you know kind of judge and gauge where you are but it's not like you know with um, leukemia obviously yeah and well that's a blood cancer but yeah, yeah. right and uh, with prostate cancer they now they have the blood test the psa which can tell them mm -hmm. so for right now pancreatic cancer has nothing has no blood test that will pinpoint pancreatic cancer so they do what they rule out everything else it's not this it's not this and not this. how do they discover you have it then what what what's the proof do they go in and do they just eliminate all the other possibilities and say it must be this or do they go in and say oh there it is in a lot of cases they do they start eliminating looking at like i said maybe you have ulcers or gallstones or something like that mm -hmm. and start eliminating from there then taking all the tests that they do do, when those come back looking like it can't be either one of those, they, you know, there's MRIs, there's CAT scans. Oh, so they uh, see something. They yeah. see a growth. They yes. see something. Oh, there it is. Hopefully they can see it. It's not so small that they, they haven't been able to detect it yet. But right. And there's PET scans, and then once they do determine, they will either do a biopsy, either a needle biopsy, which I had, or a surgical biopsy, and take pieces. Go in and get a little piece of it, mm -hmm. and then when they test it, oops, now I know what I'm dealing with here. Exactly. So they got to they got to see the symptoms which are vague, 
there is no test they can run. They have to go and image it and see if they can see a growth somewhere. And then they probably have to go in and biopsy it to make sure. Right. And the tests, unfortunately, most of the tests that they have to do are very invasive. It's not just, you know, like yeah. feeling. It's they got to stick a needle in or go grab some of it. Yeah. That, and they also need to put the tube down your throat and going into the pancreas. They oh, can grab it that way yikes. or they can look at it that way. So. Yikes. That can't yeah. be. I didn't know you could do that yeah. all the way down. And is it up or down? Do they go up or do they go down? <laughs> they do both, actually. But um, <laughs> the one going down, you know, neither one of them are very comfortable. But, you know, it's the one that goes down the throat for me was the hardest one going down into and the throat. And was a little camera and a long yes. snake-like looking Cable. A little camera and then this little something to grab a little piece of the, of a the little tumor. Whatever scissors, a little something that snips it. All right, so now we know we got it. And you go to the Internet because we go to the Internet for everything. And the Internet says what? I always tell people, please don't go to the Internet. Look for, I mean, there's organizations out there, nonprofits, obviously. My first push is always pancan.org. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you need to go someplace that has good positive information yes i feel you need to know for me anyway i needed to know everything i needed to know the good bad and the ugly about it but i needed some place that's going to have the positive and it's going to reinforce my positive thoughts in dealing with it because the first answer is what um, go home and my put per- yourself in order because you're not going to make it right my I, doctor told me as you know nobody survives pancreatic cancer so go home and put your house in order which was probably the worst thing, but also the best thing he said to me because everybody, regardless of your situation, I think you know you need to put your house in order as far as making sure everything is together so that your family. Not a bad idea at any time it, in your right, life. You right. never know what's going to happen, but right. particularly at a serious moment like that. And we had a question somebody asked on, after one of the shows: What if I don't like my doctor? What if I what if I want a second opinion? What if I don't trust his opinion? But am I going to insult him? Is he going to drop me? And you know we. We live in fear. We, we either take as gospel whatever they give us or we doubt anything they do. And I'm not going to believe it. I, I'm just going to go on living. We're, we live in a – you and I before the show talking about COVID and masks. Should we? Shouldn't we? Good, bad, whatever. We're down to the point we don't trust anybody anymore, so we just do whatever feels right for us. Is that what happens with pancreatic cancer? You start guessing? Sometimes patients are afraid to go get that, that second opinion because they don't want to insult their doctor or hurt their doctor's feelings. Right. But the way I look at it... Dare I challenge this man? Yeah, and a lot of doctors don't like that, and I'm sorry, but it's my life. I'm the one that's (laughs) going through it. I'm the one that needs to feel secure in what I'm doing. So I went and got more than two opinions, and, you know, they agreed. But I had already started treatment. My doctor didn't feel it was worth, you know, we should wait. But that's not always the case. And what did your doctor say when you come back and say, I want a second opinion? He was actually fine with it because, to be honest with you, he had no experience with pancreatic cancer. And he went to another doctor himself Uh to find out, I've got this patient. What do I do with her? So he was open. But not all doctors are. And I I just take the attitude, I'm sorry if your doctor isn't open. If I have to find another doctor, I'll find another doctor. I need a doctor that's going to support me and want to do what I want to do and go with my decisions as well as taking what, you know, he's So most on. hospitals, I'm sure UCI's hospital here and other hospitals in the area have specialized cancer units now. I don't know that they all, do any of them deal with pancreatic cancer? Or are they dealing with bigger things, breast cancer, other things that they know how to, it's an odd analogy, but wrap their arms around. I, I guess that's not a way, right way to say it with <laughs> breast cancer, but, to, but to, they understand how to deal with it. The, the, it's It's treatable. There's a process 
to go through. Right, and there's a lot of fine doctors at UCI. There's a lot of fine doctors at Cedar Sinai at UCLA. All of them, so, yeah. but if you're looking for somebody, it's hard for you to kind of get on the phone and start doing the work. Yeah, and so I I'm would, saying okay. So tomorrow I got a cancer for something I never heard of. I got to go find somebody who specializes in this. I think who knows what they're doing. Are there? Because I see the ads for, I don't know, Cancer Centers of America. I see ads for cancer centers here in Orange County. There's a new cancer-based hospital, City of Hope, that's coming in mm-hmm. to the county here. All of those are recognizing, I guess, the growth in cancer in all of us. Another bad pun, but it, it's <laughs> a, it's, there are not fewer people getting cancer, unfortunately. There seem to be more people getting cancer, or maybe we're more aware of it or more able to deal with it. I don't know if it's just what it is. But... I know it's a big business, and there's a lot of people focusing on it. Is there the Pancreatic Cancer Center of America where everybody goes uh, at some fancy hospital? Is there somebody really specializing in this, or is it still too small, too unknown, too uncertain? No, you have a lot of doctors that are very experienced, and that's something that you want. You don't want think, personally yeah. somebody, you know. When your I, doctor I, says, I've never had done this before, and he has to go Google it like you do or go ask somebody, that, that makes me nervous right away. It did, but I was very thankful that at least he took that incentive instead of thinking, well, I can deal with it and not reach out for help. He realized, hey, this is beyond my scope, so let me see what I can do, which was great. But, yeah, all these centers, UCI, like I said, they all have great doctors that specialize in pancreatic cancer. So reach out to them, find out, let them know. Did you you have one on or somebody that does research on? You had somebody that Yes, from Chapman University, actually. We had a researcher on and want to have her back to talk about what she's doing, but... I, I just found it easier if you have an organization that you trust, like PanCan, because you call them up, you tell them what you want, and they'll do all the research for you. They'll provide doctors, treatment centers. For free. That are experienced for free. They don't recommend anyone, but they give right. you the list, and you take it from there, which takes one more thing off your plate and was very helpful. And PanCan's a great organization. That's one you believe in. It's local here. Is that nationwide or is that just a local organization? No, they're nationwide. They have an affiliate, which is a, a group of volunteers mm-hmm. in every state. Okay. More than one sometimes. And then there are other groups you brought in. Hirschberg. Uh, uh, Hirschberg. What, was, Hirschberg, Hirschberg. what yeah. was her first name? Aggie Hirschberg. Uh, she lost her husband to pancreatic cancer. Had a bunch of money. It. Said, I'm not going to let this go in vain and set up a center at UCLA to, what, to do some research and right. some support groups and some other things here. She has a great thing in fact they're having their symposium is coming up in april i don't go. have the exact date yet but hopefully we'll go have somebody on to talk about that as that's well that's called what the hirschberg center it's at ucla uh, hirschberg research foundation at okay. ucla and i saw i don't know that we've ever had anybody on but there is a national pancreatic cancer organization i saw just searching online before this show here yeah there's quite a few i haven't dealt with them yet but there's also let's win they're not here locally, but, you know, they have a good program. They have a great website. They have good resources as well. So people are out there coming together saying we got to raise awareness. we got to help each other, support groups. got to raise money to do research and whatnot. What is the state of research today? You've talked about clinical trials. Are we any advances, any hope, or are we still just looking in the dark here? No, I think there's hope because we've been able to raise our survival rate from when I was diagnosed, it was only 4%, to today now we've just raised it to 11%. Wow. wow. I mean, it's not, you know, and it's taken us forever, it seems like, to get there because it's stated, I believe, 4% for probably 40 years or more. Right. But there are advances. PanCan's doing a great job as well as some of the other nonprofit organizations. Their research group has 
grown from a very small amount to large amounts. They're having and to their what dollars. do we attribute that increased survivability? Is it a better drug? Is it getting earlier detection? Is it something else that they're doing? How do they get the survival rate to go up? Why has it gone up? I wish I had the real answer for that. In my opinion, it would be making more awareness, catching it early. That's what um, I would think, yeah. Yeah, I think early diagnosis. That's how I think I got lucky is getting it diagnosed early. Because when it, not just when it gets too big, you can't stop it. I don't know that anything stops it right now, but you know, there isn't. A, is there a drug that stops it, or is there anything that they get? A couple of drugs you you're on one, and you took. You had somebody here that took the clinical trial for it, or something here. Are there drugs that slow it down, or, or stop it, or? Well, there's a lot of you know different chemos now in the early days, and we only had a couple, but there's right. a few that are used now that are successful. More targeted or whatever. Right. Um, so the idea, I guess, what I'm getting at is, is there, a better treatment plan? Or are we getting into it earlier? Because the idea is if you get to any of these cancers earlier, any of them, it doesn't spread. Once it leaves the pancreas and goes throughout the body, then you're really gone, or your brain cancer or lung cancer or anything. They're always saying if you can contain it, you got a better shot than if it starts metastasizing and spreading. Yeah, I, you know, you do, you have a better, sh- you know, better chance of survival, but I know uh, many stage four pancreatic cancer survivors, so I don't want to put that, you know, take that away from anybody. Right. It's just that, you know, they, they got the treatment they needed and it worked, and it's just, you know, bringing the awareness, getting, you know, the right drug, the right treatment. For what do you them. think about this? We were talking about a lot before the show, and I think we're going to try, I'm trying to encourage you to do some shows. There's a whole world of alts holistic, eat better, mind, body, soul connections, uh, Chinese medicine, uh, balance your chi, uh, eat herbs, uh, vitamins. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot. I go down to a place like Mother's to give them another free shout out. And there's a million alts there to traditional pill and procedures. How do people search through that, find that? Try that. Figure it out. You yourself, you can talk about one time. You take a holistic, more approach to it, with, I guess, through diet mostly, right? I started, actually, my, my son, I think it was for Mother's Day, gave me a gift card, gift certificate to a natural healing center. Mm-hmm. So I went there, and they do a bunch of tests and find out what's going on with you. And then they gave me the supplements and the vitamins I needed. Mm-hmm. And we talked about, you know, different things to use, like yoga, which I really found I yoga? loved and okay. worked really well. Really? What do you love about yoga? Does it just put you at ease? Do you think it helps channel some energy? Yeah. It's relaxing for one at the end, and the doing, right. it, doing it, it can be very cumbersome. I'm mean, yeah. not sure I can do all the poses correctly. Down dog, I know that's one. <laughs> downward pose. dog, downward yes. dog. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I just found it you know, very because you put your mind someplace else. Yeah. And it helps you with balance, helps you regain balance or keep balance. It helps somewhat with the neuropathy I was going through, mm-hmm. and just the relaxation at the very end. Neuropathy is what pain. It's a tingling. There is some pain can be involved, but it's mostly a tingling and loss of use of certain, like mm-hmm. your feet. For me, it's my my fingers. My mm-hmm. fingertips are really bad, but it did help with that. And it just at the end, just the relaxation. I just felt so much better, like I had done something, whether it was mental or real. I don't know, but for me, it just made me feel better. Everybody says mental is a big part of the game here. You got to believe. You got to have a positive attitude, and yet there's no scientific proof of that. You can be there are negative people that live and positive people that die. Mm-hmm. But I don't know anybody, me included, that does, doesn't believe a positive outlook, putting your mind somewhere else, 
dealing with the stress and fear and all that somehow has got to help. I don't know if it really helps the cancer, but there are others that say it does, that you can, you can literally almost wish it away or the opposite, you can wish yourself to die. I, I think the positive attitude is a great thing to have. I mean, it can't hurt. Right. Uh, for me, I think it's been what's gotten me through, the positive attitude, the... I have kind of a quirky, I guess, sense of humor, which has helped me, <laughs> well, as we've seen. Get right. me through it, you know. So um, there's, uh, I think, a variety of things, and whatever works for you is, is the right thing. But I noticed when I added the holistic to my traditional, my last chemo was in December 2018. And by that time, I'd been on the holistic for, quite a, for probably six months. So just that Seems little like bit of change. Yeah. I think so. And the one thing that I thought I was going to kill me was... The doctor said, you know, no more Dr. Pepper. And for me, that was my <laughs> coffee every morning. Yeah. So, well, because a lot of people, there's a lot of uh, talk about diet. I hear people all the time talk about sugar. Sugar feeds all this stuff. It, uh, and, that's uh, what I believe. And that's what most of my doctors believe that, you know, the sugar is the fuel for, for tumors. Yeah. Well, you're the fuel for hope here on this show. What's the one thing you wish you had known then that you'd like to convey now? Give me something that you didn't know then. I wish somebody had told me then, or I wish I knew it then, 19, 20 years ago. I think maybe just some of the side effects and some of the things that chemo was going to do and just the fact that a long-term survivor, even though you may not be doing chemo, there are still side effects and things that really? you have to live with. Okay. From it, the earlier chemo? Side effects from the earlier? I think, I don't know if it's all from the earlier, just the combustion of them all because mm -hmm. I have had so many. Mm -hmm. But... Not that it would have, I still would have done them, but I think I would have liked just knowing going in because, it, it, uh, to be honest, the first part was a rough journey. Yeah. And there were times when I wondered, why am I doing this? And yeah. remembered exactly why, so I could continue the fight. But I think just to have somebody be honest about what I was going to go through rather than either say nobody survives or try to sugarcoat it. So just be honest and just let me know what it was going to be like. And therein lies the point of this show, folks. We're trying to be honest. We don't have all the answers. We just have the experiences. And we're going to expose you to all the different stories as people come in and talk about their real-life journey, their real-life battles, their real-life struggles. Some win, some lose. Some learn along the way. And we hope that this will be a place where you can start your journey and carry on your journey and share it with others. I think that's the whole point of the show, right? Right. It gives, even though some of the stories didn't end the way we would have liked, there's still some inspiration there. And as long as we remember them, they're still alive to us and they're still our hope and inspiration to get us through. Well, we always dedicate a show to somebody. I want to dedicate it to you oh, and to the you. 20 years <laughs> that you've put into battling this. You could have kept silent. But you've been out there joining organization, advocating and sharing your stories and putting on this show to not just share your stories like you did again today, but to give hope to everybody and to give voice to those going through this. Because it must be a very lonely journey. It is, because when you're first diagnosed and they tell you no one survives, you think you are alone. There's no one out there. So imagine my surprise the first time I met a survivor. I was like, oh, my God, there's there are survivors there's hope. out there. Yeah, so, there is somebody. Yeah, so thank you for that. I appreciate it. Okay. I think that's it. Any final words or thoughts here? No, just keep plugging away. Don't give up. And you decide when your journey is finished. Don't let anybody do that for you. I think that's the key thing you said. You decide when your journey is. Because sometimes people do say, enough, I've had it. I'm in chemo. I give up, whatever. But that's your call, not somebody else's call. It's your call. It's as hard as it might be to hear it. We have to accept it. Or to fight on when everybody says, there's no hope. Why are you doing this? Exactly. Just to keep going. 
All right. Well, we're going to keep going. Uh, we've gone a little bit over. I thank you again, Roberta Luna. Uh, these are just some of the questions. I think we'll do this more often. If there are questions out there, feed them to the Facebook page. Send them to us here at the station, OC Talk Radio. We want to not just talk to you. We want to talk with you. We want to have a conversation about this and bring in a whole group of people who maybe we don't know, maybe we don't agree with, but here's the real way they're handling it, good, bad, or ugly. This is the real way they're dealing with it, and maybe collectively we'll all learn something along the way about them, about ourselves, and about this whole deadly disease here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. there you have it. If that's not a reason to tune in, I don't know what it is. Give us your questions. We really want to be a resource for you. We're going to bring as many different examples and stories out as we can of survivors, of people, uh, families who didn't survive, of uh, doctors, of researchers, of all sorts of ideas, anything and everything to talk about this journey. Because it is a journey designed to provide hope, inspiration, and education for those living with one of the more deadly cancers, pancreatic cancer. Sharing the real-life stories of those really affected by this deadly disease and how they deal with it. The friends, the family, the patients themselves, the doctors. How we all deal with it on a daily basis. If you'd like to share your story, please contact us. If you have questions, absolutely send them in. Type them into the Facebook uh, group page. Uh, for this show, or send them here to our station, OC Talk Radio. And if you know anybody who needs help, like right now, the always we leave them with this message, there is a place to start the journey, the conversation. Call Patient Services at 877-2-PANCAN. That's 877-2-PANCAN for the Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. For the OC Talk Radio Network, I'm Paul Roberts inviting you to join us each and every week as we take this most amazing journey into the unknown. Living Hope, your journey with pancreatic cancer. Right here on Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net. Streaming live from the University of California, Irvine's Beale Applied Innovation Center.